Hello and welcome to Living Stones, a podcast of conversations with the people of Red Mountain Community Church, highlighting the victories and struggles, the snapshots and stories of the people sitting right next to you on Sunday morning. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions and your fellow seat warmer at Red Mountain Community Church. My co-host today is Jessica Garcia, our pastor of worship arts and recent inductee to the Parenting Club. Yes, yep. <laughs> yeah, five months, Yeah, uh, a parent. <laughs> yeah, how has Phoebe been doing, and how has that transition to the new normal been oh. for you and, and Alan? Yeah, she's great. She's so sweet. Um, yeah, it's been a crazy adjustment. Um, so, like, some things have been a lot easier than I thought. Some things have just been, like, way harder than I thought. Um, like, I thought that diapers were going to be a big deal for mm-hmm. me. Like changing them? Yeah. I thought, like, people would tell me how many diapers that they went through in a day with a baby, and I just was, like, overwhelmed by that thought Mm. of changing a diaper, like, 10 times a day. Like, I couldn't believe that was true. Uh, But it's totally not a big deal at all. Like, I don't mind diapers at all, it turns out. Oh, nice. (laughs) Are you using disposable or cloth? disposable oh that's much more enjoyable i'm sure we, yeah uh, may, maybe that's yeah holly probably. wanted to go cloth uh not long at all after uh our first was born hmm. and uh, i did the laundry oh wow <laughs> oh, nice. yeah i could imagine that would be a whole other thing Ugh, it's an experience which i have great admiration for you for <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i know yeah i know several other families that do that that i very much admire them but anyways so yeah diapers have not been a big deal at all um, but yeah, just the daily like sleep and daily cleaning bottles and laundry and stuff that has been a little more overwhelming than I thought in terms of like just being time consuming. Yeah. Or, yeah. So time consuming yeah. and like sanitize, like you're supposed to like, you know, not just like clean the bottles, but mm-hmm. sanitize them mm. and do the whole microwave sanitizer yeah i feel like i'm doing that a million times a day yeah i don't remember how much sanitizer i think i think there's kind of a there there's a trend with parents that like on the first one they tend to do all all, all the sanitizing stuff Mm -hmm. and by the time like the second or third one rolls around they're just like you know eat off the floor kid you're Mm -hmm. fine you know (laughs) (laughs) well the oh the worst has been the last two weeks me and alan have been super sick Oh, that's right. And the baby hasn't been sick at all. That's awesome. So, but the whole, so now just we're just so paranoid about getting her sick. Mm. So, we're living in just this like hyper crazy state of just trying to keep everything sanitized so that we don't get her sick because we mm. don't want to deal with her being sick. Yeah. So, anyways. Oh, man. But, but yeah, she's great. Nice. She, she's so much sweeter and cuter than i ever thought possible (laughs) (laughs) so that's nice (laughs) all right um so i was looking at kind of notes and past podcasts i realized that i have not asked you this question yet so um but i've been making the rounds with the uh, the pastors that have been on the show and with this question if you could have another skill set or talent that you don't currently have and you had to choose another career that you'd be successful enough to support yourself in, mm-hmm. what would you choose? Uh, well, I was just, just talking to Arian about this. So I, I, you know, I think everybody has something that you kind of daydream about when your current job or your current life is just like really crazy. Mm-hmm. The thing that I daydream about 
is having like a farm of like goats mm. and like taking the milk from the goats and making like soaps and goat fudge and goat like little like goat products <laughs> and having having a little shop on my goat farm where I sell these really cute goat That's products. so cute, a little goat farm, farm goat shop. Yeah, I just have this idyllic picture of me and like this little hat going around my farm, tend, feeding my goats and then making these beautiful soaps and Aww. fudge and stuff like that. You ever played Stardew Valley? No. You heard of that game? It's like a farming sim. Maybe we'll talk later about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, speaking of video games, uh, we talked to uh, a f buddy of mine who likes video games uh, as much as I do, and that's Cody Mosier, but that's not what we talked about. We didn't talk about video games. Of course not. Hmm. Uh, but uh, we did have a great conversation about uncertainty and about living with uncertainty as he's experienced it throughout his life in different ways. Uh, it was a great conversation, so we're, we'll share it with you right now. All right, we're here with uh, Cody Mosier, and uh, Cody, we're going to talk about video games for the next 40 minutes. Can we, yes. <laughs> can we do that? That'd be awesome. Um, now we're going to talk about uh, trying to trust God in the midst of uncertainty, um, and that's a topic I can relate to as well, so I'm really interested to hear just kind of like what your experience has been, what your thoughts have been. Um, first, uh, how old are you now? Just I'm 33. Okay. Just to kind of get like a sense of, of your stage in life. Um, has uncertainty been like a, a part of your life primarily in your adult years, or did you have any ongoing feelings of uncertainty in childhood? Or give me kind of a snapshot of that. Well, I feel like in some ways uncertainty grows with age, I think, and experience and life lessons and mm. difficulties that you face. I think for me, I felt really sure in my faith growing up. Uh, my dad's a pastor. He's now retired. But, uh, you know, I just feel like I had a really good, safe, idealistic childhood in like a small town in Minnesota growing up was really nice and friends with everyone. Hang on. Uh, say Minnesota again. Minnesota. I don't I, hear it. I don't, I don't hear Minnesota. Oh, it's, yeah. uh, it took, you know, like 20 years of remedial speech therapy. Oh, okay. and, uh, <laughs> I've accomplished it. Every now and then I do say oofta. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. It's a rare occasion. I've got but, family yeah. in North Dakota, so I'm, yeah. I'm familiar with oofta. Oofta. <laughs> oh, all yeah. Right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> For all of our winter visitors out there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I was going to say, like, so my dad went through some health problems right when I hit junior high. He had a severe bout with Crohn's disease, and I kind of feel like that started sowing some seeds of just kind of rockiness because someone who you're used to relying on um, goes through sort of severe health problems. And then mm -hmm. he was on really high doses of prednisone and kind of would put him through these emotional swings that were pretty tough. Mm. And it wasn't anything that was like super bad, but I just remember going down uh, into the, like the workshop to ask him a question and he like snapped at me, which is really unusual. And mm -hmm. then he got really emotional about snapping at me and felt really bad and started kind of crying. And then for me, I was just like, okay, <laughs> I'm not going to go down to the workshop anymore, at least <laughs> not for a while. But um, so it was just kind of like, I guess, you know, you think a lot of times sort of in development, how we grow up and see God is how we see our fathers or our parents or mm. kind of the significant people who raised us. And that's where like kind of our trust comes from, I feel like in a lot of ways. And, uh, and yeah, so then we moved to New York. Um, 
on September 1st of 2001 and then 9/11 happened like right after we moved to Syracuse. Give me can you give so, me an idea of like your age like um before we yeah. I, want, I want your age at 9/11 but first your age when like your dad was going through those health issues. How old were you about that time? Uh I want to say it was in like 8th grade. So okay. however old you are in 8th grade that's probably what 12 13. Okay. In that sort of time range. Yeah. Um and then we moved to New York when I was 15. So just before my sophomore year of high school. Um so yeah. So that was just that I feel like that was a big defining moment for me just with the uncertainty cuz like moving away from all of your friends, you know, you had family and connections and a safe place in your church and you're going to a totally different church, totally different culture, yeah. trying to fit in with new people. I went from a small public school in a town of 8,000 to a small Christian school in a city of like 300,000. Um and so just cultures were just so different and all the things that you're used to relying on are just gone. Mm. And so you have to figure out like, what does this mean? And how do I trust God in that? And, and how do you define yourself when you're kind of stripped away of all the things that you're used to, uh, was kind of a challenge for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you, um, do you remember like when you became a believer or did, or did that kind of come with ABC and one, two, three, or like describe for me if you can, like when, you know, maybe your faith became real to you. And yeah. Um, it was kind of funny. It was a little bit like growing up in in the household of, of faith, I guess. Sure. Um, it was funny because when I invited Jesus into my heart, I don't remember how old I was. It was really young. Um, but we were at like a Chinese buffet and my parents were like, hey, you want to bless the meal? And I was like, sure. And I prayed to invite Jesus into my heart. Um, huh. And they're like, oh, Aww. okay, that's kind of a curveball. <laughs> but that's great. Um, <laughs> but I, I do remember like... Uh, in be- sort of in between the health problems and also moving to New York, there was like a clear summer where like things just went really well in my faith development and growing. I remember going to Bible camp and just feeling like super close to God. Mm-hmm. Um, it was around the same time I got baptized. Uh, so there's a lot of good growth and commitment there. So I think that was good in, in retrospect, kind of building up that relationship better and really being more committed to my faith. I feel like when I was, you know, junior high, really maturing and starting to take more ownership of who I am and what my faith is. So I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, I just yeah. kind of want to, at this point, just kind of get a snapshot yeah. of these moments of maybe uncertainty and, and maybe how that began to develop or begin to start showing up in your life. Um, what were the first circumstances in your adult life um, where you, which I guess, let's just say, because... Yeah. I remember when I was 33, I was like, I don't know, I think I'm an adult now. <laughs> 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 um, but like, let's say like, you know, 21 up, you know, just yeah, yeah. with that number. Um, your first circumstances in your adult life where you felt significant uncertainty. What do, what do you remember? I feel like in terms of significant uncertainty was graduating from college. Um, I had gone to school and studied biology with a focus on pre-medicine. My plan was to get into medical school and uh, if you had asked me when I was 22, where would you be 10 years from now? I'd be like, well, I'd be a doctor and married and have a couple kids or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not the situation. <laughs> but there was uh, just coming out of college and like the job market kind of taking a nosedive mm-hmm. and um, getting on alternate lists at medical schools, but not actually getting in. Okay. And uh, just kind of being in this weird limbo of like, all right, well, I'm trying to get into graduate school, but it's not happening. And like, what do I do with this? And uh, I feel like the real hardest part was probably the same time of 
trying to let go of medical school after trying to get in for like eight years mm. and also taking the big step of faith to move out here to Arizona. Okay. There's just a lot of situations that came together real fast and it became super uncertain. We're like, you know, through my late teenage years and in twenties, it was always like trying to get into medical school and then coming to the point where it's like, well, you know, some people don't get in and maybe it wasn't God's plan for me. Maybe it was my plan for me. Mm. And what does that mean to try to let that go? And also again, like move across the country and kind of let go of friendships in a way because they're, you know, you're moving across the country. There's not your neighbor right next to you that you're used to, or, you know, the people that you usually get coffee with or anything. And uh, just taking the adventure and the leap of faith and saying like, okay, God, let's see what you got in store. Let's see what adventure happens next. And, uh, you know, it's exciting, but it's challenging for sure. Yeah. I'm curious if you happen to remember, if you don't, that's fine. Kind of like what kinds of things you were praying about when you ran into the wall of not being able to get into medical school. Um, And alongside Mm -hmm. that, if you happen to remember thoughts that you were having about God, about who he is, his character, what he's like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It's kind of tough. I don't want to say that I, I didn't think about God, but I think there's a lot of times where I felt like the trying to get into medical school is putting the onus on myself. Like, you know, just, I just got to study harder and retake the MCAT or, you know, what do I got to do to improve my resume or things? And not so much thinking about like, what does God have in store for me and where, what direction is he taking me? Mm -hmm. There was a lot of amazing opportunities I had at working at a small college uh, with native Alaskans um, doing ministry work. That was amazing. And then I went from there and was working at the Salvation Army for a little bit in Syracuse doing social work. Hang on, you... Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned Alaska in there. Uh-huh. Did, was that... You went to college in Alaska? No, I went to school in Chicago. But you were working with Native Alaskans that were in Chicago? No. Okay, I'm lost. <laughs> I'm lost. Okay, so, it's 9-11. No. <laughs> no, okay, so yeah, where... Yeah, where, keep where, up, Peter. Come yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Where, where were you... Uh, where were you at <laughs> geographically when you were trying to get into med med school? All over the place, man. Okay. So, um, like I said, it was a I don't know about an eight year journey trying to get in and then finally letting it go for medical school. And so in the meantime, I graduated college in Chicago, went back to Syracuse, and I thought I had a good. I did a research internship when I was in college, and I thought I had a good job lead with the same people, um, but that ended up falling through. So I ended up just working a job with a guy who owned a business that uh, repaired and cleaned oriental rugs. Oh, So I went from doing spine surgery research internship to now you get to clean, uh, you know, cat mess out of a oriental rug. (laughs) It's a major shift. Yeah. Kind of a humbling experience. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and so I was working with, you know, doing that job and I had a friend of mine from college in, in Chicago, and and I got connected through to Alaska um, through doing a couple mission trips, sort of things. So working at a Bible camp out in Unalakleet, which is near Nome, so like really far out there on the west coast of Alaska. And uh, so some of the connections and friendships that I had developed, uh, one of my friends started to work at a college up there that was connected through the church denomination that did the Bible camp that I was part of. And, um, and he was like, Hey man, they need another resident supervisor out here. You should apply and come out here. And at first I laughed at him. I was like, yeah, just drop everything and run to Alaska and get paid (laughs) less than I'm making now. That'd be great. Um, but then it was just a crazy amount of like circumstances that led to like, basically I got laid off because our business was struggling 
And then I was like, well, I don't have a job now. And then it was immediately like that same, I don't even think it was before or after. It must've been after I got laid off, but I just had this clear moment at a church service on Sunday where it just hit me where it's like, God wants me to go and do that job and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I guess that was another opportunity to trust God and like, what is going on right now? Being laid off, going to this college where I don't, again, have many friends other than just the one. I know a couple people that lived in the state, but not at the school. Um, and then what is a white guy got to do with ministering to native Alaskans? Mm. Um, so that was kind of interesting too. Mm. So did that for two years, went back to Syracuse, Lord opened up some doors to work with the Salvation Army and do case management with people in inner city Syracuse. And I did that for about two years. And then I decided to um, step back and work at my church there like half time. And then the other half of the time, uh, work on um, retaking for the MCAT and trying to study okay. and give it one big last push. Yeah. Um, so, and then I guess to wrap up the story <laughs> of like the notes of, of my direction, but I retook the MCAT. It didn't do quite as well as I wanted to do. And I got less interviews. I got less like alternate lists that I was accepted onto because an alternate list is like, yeah, we're interested in you, but we're not going to give you a spot unless someone like backs out. Okay. So I spent like three or four years on a couple different alternate lists at school and mm. just didn't quite get in. And then they were changing the MCAT format and all this stuff. And I was like, I'd have to go back to school and work on a master's or undergraduate mm. and take more class materials, spend more money. I'd already spent thousands of dollars mm. trying to you know pursue this stuff and just had to accept like some people don't make it in and try to see like, you know, was it my plan or God's plan and exploring that? And at the same time, I had a brother who moved out here and was working in Phoenix and he's got two grandkids. My dad was looking to retire from ministry and my mom got a job out here. So, um, I decided to just go ahead and join the adventure and moved out with my mom out here. Mm -hmm. And that was another story for probably another time, (laughs) but but, uh, yeah, so moved out here and trying to figure out life and career stuff since then. And Mm. And then, too, I worked with a good company that was paying well. It was an oil company that got bought out, and they moved everyone to San Antonio. So had to make a decision like, okay, do I try to trust better income and stay mm. in a worldly situation, or do I see what God has in store for me and try to dive in more with Red Mountain? Yeah. So that kind of brings it full circle. And that Now at this point in life, I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen with my career, uh, but let's just dive into church and see what happens and try to be obedient with each day that God gives me and see what could learn next in that. Yeah. 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 And for a while, I don't know if this has changed, if you would say this has changed or not, but for a while you were also wondering what God might have planned for you in terms of uh, a marriage relationship. Right. So talk about that a little bit about kind of when you first started wondering, is something going to happen? You know, what's going on, you know? Yeah. Um, Basically I've always, wanted to be like married and have kids. And I like the idea of family life. Um, I had a kind of a rough relationship in college that just tried to force it and make it work and dated for two years and it was long distance and it just fell apart. And honestly, it was very heartbreaking to me. Mm. And uh, I tried to date a couple more times in college. And then after that, it was just trying to chase after career stuff and try to figure that out. Um, I think there was some woundedness in there where I just felt like um, maybe, I don't know, maybe I was hiding, maybe not, maybe just waiting for God's timing. Um, But it was tough because, you know, I went from 
probably, let's say, I don't know, 22 to 33 and not really having a serious relationship or dating. Mm -hmm. Um, So now I just started dating someone a couple months ago, which is great. (laughs) But there was a lot of uncertainty in that where it's like, I felt again where it's like, okay, God, I feel like you've designed me and my heart and my desires to be in a relationship and a loving, trusting relationship and to have leadership in that but it's not happening. Mm-hmm. So like, what does that mean? Yeah. And trying to be available, like, am I closed off or not? And is it me? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, timing? Is it just not the right person? And just trying to really be patient. And I think it's great to think about scripture in those times. Like, um, you know, there's always, uh, I always go to Proverbs where it says, uh, many are the plans in the heart of a man, but yeah. it's the Lord's will that direct his steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to trust in God's direction and timing, you know, he sees everything. And, uh, so that's been exciting. And then even now being in a relationship, it's weird to think about like, you know, trusting like, okay, so what does that mean in the mix? Mm -hmm. There was a time early on, like a month or two ago where, um, I just was thinking like, okay, should I be dating this person? Like what's going on? I'm praying about that. And Weirdly, the vision of where the the Israelites are wandering in the desert and kind of lost, and then they go and they scout out the promised land. And I felt like, not that that relationship is a promised land, and there are definitely people that are called into singleness, I think, and especially for seasons. Mm -hmm. But just the idea of like, well, yeah, there's, there's giants there. There's scary things in the land. We don't know. We don't think we could fight them. It's not, it's the idea of like, I don't know this, this promised land in the, in the metaphor is like, I don't it doesn't look the way that I would have thought or the, mm. the narrative that I have. Mm-hmm. And it looks scary. So are you going to still trust God and go in and do the fight and the work that needs to be done? Or are you going to kind of wimp out and get sentenced to wander in the desert for another 30 years? Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I don't mean that in terms of like, am I going to be single or not for another 30 years? But the when I was trying to pray through um, wisdom and, and do I take that leap of faith or not, just even in dating, it's it's something where it just really felt like, yeah, sure, there's going to be challenges, but do I trust God to take my back and to trust him to provide someone who's good or do I not, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of the question. It's like, do you trust or not? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Um, as you look back, I mean, do you... It, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to put the burden on you to like know the mind of God. You know, but mm-hmm. um, do you think God has brought about any kind of noticeable changes or possible responses regarding you know some of these areas of uncertainty you've struggled with? You know, I mean, at this point, you know, of course, we want the best for the relationship you're in right now. But that's you know, we'll see mm-hmm. what, what God does with that. But as far as also right. your career stuff and where you're at geographic, where you're living geographic, or any of these other, you know, things. Um, have you, as you look back, do you do you suspect uh, any of God's movement in, you know, responding to uncertainty? I think God has always been there in unique ways that is easy for me to take for granted in the moment. Mm. But looking back, there are lots of things where it makes sense that like, yeah, God had me in that situation and he had my back and I don't know if things would have happened you know, things would have been different with just different people being in those positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't really think of a very clear moment, but I just sort of feel like it's just this constant learning of of just trying to trust God. I 
I try to always look for narratives like, oh, okay, well, I did this job, so that makes sense on how to do this other career. Mm. Or I was in this relationship, and that really helped prepare me for this other relationship mm-hmm. or friendship. Um, but I just, the thing that, the, where I'm at in life right now, honestly, I don't even want to be dependent on those signs and those feelings of like, oh, now it all makes sense. The narrative is coming together. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? Sometimes there really isn't a narrative about me because the real purpose is what God's doing. Mm. And it's hard to to think of like, you know, I want to be a certain color in this paint of a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so easy to look out and be like, man, I really wish I was that, you know, brush stroke of blue ocean. And instead I'm this weird, yucky yellow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Like God has the vision of what the whole painting looks like. And I just want to trust each day where I am and try to do the best with that. And I feel like I do so much better in my mental health and emotional health if I can push off and like, instead of trying to say, Lord, you know, am I going to trust you to guide me through the mission field in Argentina or something, you know, something big, really what he's inviting me into in my life is just like, what does it mean to trust in the small things? Mm. Um, You know, and that's a big enough challenge in itself (laughs) that, you know, I just trying my best to learn that lesson each day. Yeah. So So speaking of each day, what are you kind of like in the thick of right now in terms of just uncertainties? What kinds of things are on your mind? Like, I wonder what you're going to do here, God. What's, what, mm-hmm. what, what am I, or what, what role am I supposed to play? What kind of things are you feeling uncertain about right now? I mean, there's a lot of different things when I sit down and, and try to map out like, okay, what does my life look like for the next 10 years? It's like, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like now I work in insurance and I work with the Nortons and they're very lovely people. And I <laughs> love working there. It's amazing to work for some good godly people. Um, but, you know, insurance, that's not exciting. That's not what I went to school for. Like, <laughs> I, think, I get excited about science, Pater, <laughs> not about, like, actuarial tables and, like, risk assessment. <laughs> that sounds a lot you know? like the same thing to me, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's fair. <laughs> it's all numbers, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially what I do is a lot of just, like, paperwork and filing and do the behind-the-scenes stuff mm-hmm. that make everything smoother. So when there is an issue with insurance, then... We we can come up with a response faster and know what's going on. Yeah. And so that's even like more extra boring of just like, <laughs> let me send out the stack of renewal paperwork. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but it's still cool because I get to work with churches cause we specialize in doing, you know, mm. church insurance. Yeah. And so it's fun to talk to different churches and different pastors. And it's interesting to hear when people are doing really well. And it's also sad to hear when, you know, a church is struggling and they're looking at closing their doors and mm. what does that look like? Mm. Um, so that's kind of interesting, but to go back to the question, there's a lot of uncertainty in that where it's like, do I continue to do what I do right now? Do I try to like figure out more about what it looks like to be an insurance agent? Do I try to go to grad school? Like there's all sorts of things that it's easy to get wrapped up in sort of the storm of like feeling responsible for, I have to make all these decisions and plannings. Mm. Um, and it's easy to put again, my default is like, okay, well, what makes the make most sense for me, Cody? Instead of like, no, what is God saying? What is God leading in these situations? Um, and just to try to step back from that and not worry about tomorrow, 
but just to focus on today. Mm. And I would say too, with the relationship stuff, like Alicia has been a great girlfriend so far, but you know, it's like so far, so Alicia. far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Later. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, still just trying to be obedient to like, okay, just to take a step back and like, just trust in God every day and say like, and ask, you know, what am I supposed to do today in relationship mm. with God and others? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just try to be the best leader and and follow biblical leading in turn. Um, and even like men's group ministry, like I love leading a table on Thursday mornings, mm. uh, but it's not about me. It's about like responding to God and where he's leading and where he's leading other people. And it's a, it's a complicated dance, man. Yeah. But uh, that's the thing is like if I start to try to control it and start to control the music, it just doesn't work as well. Mm. <laughs> so I'm learning, you know what, just... Let go and let God. <laughs> Bumper sticker. <laughs> Have your um, experiences with uncertainty affected your view of God and your relationship with Him in either negative or positive ways over the years? Uh, I would say, yeah, and it's definitely had a share of negative impact. I think um, when I look at uncertainties and I try to step in and do things myself, then I start trusting God less. Hmm. And it sort of becomes a negative feedback loop where it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to trust God. I'm going to do my own thing. And then that fails. And somehow I'm like, well, God, I can't trust you because this failed. And it's like, Cody, you already did that on your own anyways. Hmm. But, you know, then it's like, I trust you less because that failed. And then I try to do my own thing again. And if that fails, then it, Hmm. you know, it's like a downward cycle. But the more I focus on God and what he wants, then it starts to be an uplifting cycle and things go better and smoother and you know it's it's a it's a struggle man yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah i lost my train of thought on that one but no that was you completely yeah. delivered exactly yeah. on what i was asking so <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah i i appreciate you you just your willingness to uh just sit and talk and share you know while you're still in the thick of it you know mm-hmm. while you're still figuring thing i mean we're talking about uncertainty you know so while you're still in the thick of it and just kind of sharing and I know I can certainly relate to, uh, you know, just living with uncertainty. I'm sure a lot of people listening can as well. So thank you very much for uh, sitting down and having this talk with us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, is it, I I mean, so you're saying you feel like as you were trusting God, it, it was uplifting for you and, you know, as, and you had these times of not trusting him and pursuing things on your own. But when I hear your story, I mean, I wonder, was it hard for you to even determine what trusting God meant. I mean, like, I would imagine for you, you were asking, is trusting God, does that look like continuing to take the MCAT and like Mm -hmm. continuing Mm -hmm. to trust God as in pursuing medical school still? Or does it look like, does trusting God look like going a different direction? Or, I mean, was it even hard to determine for you what that meant to trust God? Yeah, I would I would say that it was hard. And I in looking back, hindsight's a little bit better where I feel like there was a sort of a level of, of arrogance where it's like I wanted to go into medical school because of pride, because that seems exciting. That seems cool. It was fun. It felt good to tell people like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna go to medical school you know, medical school mm-hmm. or I wanna do this research. It, you know, it puffed myself up. Mm-hmm. Um so and it's easy to say that now looking back where it's like, Yeah, it was more me and just what I wanted to do. And I do think it's kind of tough where you can have that discussion of like, okay, but did God create that desire and like for what purpose? And, Mm -hmm. you know, then you get into like 
free will discussions. And hmm. that's hmm. anytime I start to get into that, it becomes too much to process, I yeah. think. <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm just like, you know what? This is one day at a time. But I think at the same time is where I was trying to do my own plan with medical school. The crazy different like career direction things, those are successful attempts of where I was trusting God in the midst of circumstances where it's like, you know what? All these doors are closing. I have no idea what's happening. But then seeing a really interesting door open and then, you know, just really feeling peace about like, you know what? Let's go for it. Let's jump in this situation. Let's go to Alaska and see what happens. Let's go to Arizona and see what happens. Um, And it's been great to see the adventure that God has for you Mm -hmm. and me. But it's, um, you know, it, it does take effort to trust. And um, I, I was talking to our men's group on Thursday kind of about this. And the image that I had was sort of like an orchestra. And, um, you know, we all want to have like a, some people want to have a violin solo. And we all want to play our own songs. But I feel like God is the best conductor we could ever have. Mm-hmm. And we need to play on key with what he has and he has a plan. And sometimes it means, you know, you're sitting in the back row with the oboe and you're waiting five measures and you're not even playing anything. And that's really tough, but you know, the moment that God invites you to play, it's going to be great and it's going to fit in and it's going to feel right. And if you try to play outside of the plan, it doesn't feel right. It becomes discordant and it's like banging your head against a wall. Hmm. And that's kind of the metaphor that I have kind of adopted and I try it where it's just like, I love it. (laughs) Not that I want to be feelings based, but I feel like when we're living in scriptural truth, it make life just makes a lot more sense. Hmm. And there's the peace that transcends all understanding. Hmm. And, um, and especially just talking to God and being open and honest and saying like, Hey Lord, what's going on? This doesn't make any sense. Um, there's surprising effects that happen after that that are good. Hmm. And if you're willing to have an open and honest conversation with God and follow his lead, things are good. But if you try to not follow his lead and do your own thing and come up with your own ideas, well, it tends to not pan out very well. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Hmm. <laughs> so. That's a powerful, powerful analogy as a harpist who in an orchestra setting waits for like, 20 to 100 measures at a time and then comes in with like a (laughs) it is really satisfying to like come in with that one thing (laughs) even though it's the only thing you have (laughs) and the harp always looks so cool though i mean at least you got that going for you (laughs) that's true that's true at least everyone's looking at the harp (laughs) wondering like is that person gonna play yeah Yeah. have they played at all this concert Well, thanks again, Cody. This has been great. Yeah, thanks. Well, okay, Jessica, if you could, if you had to pick one thing, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be one thing, but I mean, if you pick one thing that kind of stood out to you from that conversation, what would you say it was? Um, I definitely know what it is. I, I loved hearing him make he made a couple comments about it but he made a comment about how we tend to be always wanting things to be in narrative form and we're always looking for our life to turn into this narrative yeah um but but what an incredibly humble thing to to actually let that go and to 
to care more about the narrative of God yeah. and what God is doing and actually kind of let go of this need for your life to have this certain narrative shape. Um, I, th- I thought that was really, really powerful and something that is probably really, really good for, for at least a, l- a lot of people my age to hear, especially, I think we can get really, really focused on our lives becoming this, this story that has this certain, you know, uh, and we get so nervous about our lives being seemingly aimless or mm. seemingly not like following the narrative that we had in mind or whatever. Yep. I totally, yeah. And that's, and that's exactly the thing that stood out to me. Um, mm. and, uh, I, I've wondered for, uh, years now if a combination of kind of like pursuing the American dream mm. and then also as a nerd, you know, and someone who loves entertainment and fiction and stuff like that. I just noticed that in our entertainment, whether it's video games, movies, or books, or whatever, we we read stories about a main character, and we mm. and and that that the author really intends for us to identify with, you mm. know, and it's a character oftentimes that you know is significant and ends up being very significant in in relationship to all the other people in the story or mm. they if you're into nerd stuff then it's someone going on a quest and they go and achieve you know it's like the uh the uh, the lord of the rings you know there's only one one ring and there's mm. only one person that can that can dump it in the lava right mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, we're waiting for, you know, Frodo to do that. You know, he's, he's surrounded by all these other people, but we're waiting for Frodo to do it, you know? And, and so all these, you know, all these movies and stories are very much about, uh, someone rising in significance hmm. because of almost always because of what they do, because of what they accomplish, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I wonder if that has just kind of poisoned us in some ways. There aren't really, um, with an, with an ironic exception, there aren't really, any um, stories I can think of that's like about someone living an invisible, fulfilling life as a cog in a machine, mm, you know? Uh-huh. Um, there, there are no stories about that. And, and if there were, we wouldn't really be drawn to them. Mm-hmm. The closest thing I can think of, ironically, is the story I just mentioned. I think of the movies, Lord of the Rings and Samwise, and mm-hmm. how, you know, we think of Frodo as kind of like the central member of the of the fellowship that they're all kind of like protecting and they're trying to make that journey happen. Samwise is his friend that's kind of along to help him out. And in the end, spoilers for Return of the King, okay? <laughs> in the end If you haven't seen it yet, yeah, Fro- you're behind. <laughs> Frodo's not the hero. Frodo gives in. Frodo gives in to evil. You know, mm-hmm. um he doesn't pull it off. Samwise is the one who really remains true and is this supporting character and you know he's not typically the one that people think of or maybe remember of all the cool characters that there are like Legolas doing all the cool bow and arrow stuff you know but no Samwise is really the hero of that trilogy you know but that's the closest we have hmm. that's the closest we have and i just wonder if we have kind of been poisoned a bit in american entertainment and fiction to um Think of uh, our lives as not just narratives, but narratives where we are the main character, mm. you know, and it's our own story. Everyone else is villains or they're supporting characters, you know, but we are never the villain and or, you know, some obscure character, you know, in yeah. our minds. We don't want to be, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And what a what a powerful image to, to of humility for us to consider what it is that our lives are not the main that to accept that we live lives as supporting characters. Yeah. 
like that that actually brings home the concept of humility a little bit to me like mm. i feel that yeah i feel the like, the cost of that of accepting yeah. that yeah i when i have contemplated that for me there's both a sting to it and a and a relief to mm-hmm. it you yeah. know because mm-hmm. then it's like okay well i it's okay to bumble and not have this life that really, you know, is just, you know, whatever conjured image I have in my head. It's okay that I'm not that, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that every, not every single part of it has to make sense and, and contribute to some incredible overarching thing. Yeah. That's world shaking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, now it's time for the poll segment. Oh. But... We've got a little, uh, we got a little uh, curveball. There's okay. no poll this month. There was. That's right. Yeah, I was. Yeah, <laughs> so, I was trying to think of what it was. It's actually a question. Question that uh, that went out that you were able to answer over at uh, rmcchurch.org/podcast. The question this month was: What scripture has God laid on your heart this week? And we got a number of responses. I'm going to share all of them. Um, Lynn Bettendorf. Uh, said Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Uh, Becky Bibelheimer said 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Christina Amy said, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7. Kelly Hall said, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Exodus 14, 13, and 14. And Linda Rollins said, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41, 10. Hmm. All right, well, that is it then for this episode of Living Stones. You can follow Red Mountain Community Church on Instagram and Facebook and go to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to participate in our podcast question. Leave feedback for us or leave a question for our next guests. Guest. Guess who the next guest? Dang it. (laughs) There's no way to make that recoverable. On our next episode, we'll be talking with... I forgot to get a pronunciation guide. Uh, Is this Ina? Ina. Ina Runzo. Okay. She's going to talk about growing up in Latvia and immigrating to the U.S., as well as how God used her family and Red Mountain to begin mission trips in Latvia. Again, you can go to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to submit your question for Ina, and you may just hear it read on the next episode. In the meantime, though, I'm Peter Franson. I'm Jessica Garcia. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Sunday. Bye.
The one that just came out, they're remaking it? Yes. Why? Yes, Yeah, well, you kind of knew that was going to happen, right? That series is such a convoluted... Aaron <laughs> likes it. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, for the hardcore... Have you... Have you played, like, all the Kingdom Hearts 2.5 as regards blah, 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 Codex 5? You know, like, all those... I think you have to... You do? I think you have to play all those... But they can't, you know, they can never take away what you had in your childhood. <laughs> I think it was one of my favorite trailers was Kingdom Hearts 1 or 2. Oh, know. yeah? Yeah. Wow. Back in the day. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Can we add an Arian, a segment where Arian just talks about what games she's looking forward to? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would love to interview you about that. Yes. <laughs> I want to be a part of that discussion, that's for sure. 